This episode of the Turf District Podcast is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. There is now a Dwayne Mandrusiak Legacy Fund to support amateur football. Dwayne left a mark on so many players, both with the football club and with minor amateur players. You can donate to the fund with a one-time or monthly donation at ecfoundation.org and search Dwayne Mandrusiak. We also have new pod shirts and $10 from the sale of each shirt will be given back to that fund. Grab your shirt and support a great fund. Check out more information at ecfoundation.org. Enjoy the show. Time to huddle up. It's the Turf District Podcast. Welcome back to the Turf District, where we huddle up to talk all things Edmonton football team and the CFL. We are a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Andrew. I'm Superfan Mike. And unfortunately, no Commissioner K this evening, but we do have an amazing guest. Um, and I want to bring him in right away so that we can get the conversation started uh, from TSN 1260 and the originator of marinating in green and gold, better known as JMO to us, our friend Dave Jameson. Welcome back to the Turf District. It's great to be here, guys. And uh, it's been far too long, and I know why it has been far too long, but uh, when I'm in the Turf District, albeit virtually, it tells me that we're getting, we're inching towards, hopefully, touch wood, uh, uh, some football here very soon at Commodore Stadium. Oh, preach, my brother! That's that's what I want to. That's what I want to hear. That's right. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, welcome to the new iteration of the pod. Um, we're uh, for those of people who had listened to us under the the old moniker, they they know how great your stories are. But uh, we need to introduce you to a whole new brand of people uh, tuning into the Turf District. Um, so tell us a little bit. How have you been over the year? I know you've been uh, doing radio for home, but uh, <laughs> how how's the rest of things going on? Well, thing, things are, are fine, um, and I'm, I'm probably a lot like, you know, a lot of people who are working from home or have been working from home, every day feels, oh, so eerily similar to the one right before it. Like, there is a <laughs> Groundhog Day uh, effect, if you will, to, you know, kind of our daily existence, or at least mine. I, I know, you know, it's not that I'm totally housebound, but it, it does feel, you know, and again, working out of my back bedroom here in my oh-so-humble abode, you kind of go, 
okay, well, I'll walk the 10 feet to my office <laughs> and I'll do what I do. And then uh, the show will end. We're on the air from noon until two, uh, Monday to Friday. And then you do that. And there's some stuff to you know look after after the show. And then you kind of wander around. And, and, and it's not that life doesn't have a purpose. It still does. It's just it feels very small. And yep. one of the things about working in radio or media, um, those that are fortunate enough to have jobs in it now, and that's for another <laughs> podcast perhaps, um, <laughs> is that uh, it's it's going in and being part of something that is kind of uh, can be invigorating and exciting on some days. And, and it's the camaraderie, and, and you guys know that in your workplaces, and I'm sure people listening to this know the same, is it's you may not like everybody that you work with, but you're around them, and there's a dynamic and in a you know creative business that radio can be or should be. Um, you feed off each other, and so when you're at home, you you miss that. I totally agree, and I, I know it's you know you you can have a lot of meetings online and those types of things, and you can you can have some fun in those things, but it is completely different than having that face-to-face conversation or that just oh, yeah. off the cuff, what's going on in, in this area. Sure. Um, I know I've, I've been kind of lucky in the fact that with my job, I, I'm still going in. I still see those people and I have a little bit of connection, but I look at my 13 year old who has seen very few people in the past year. And, you know, you kind of wonder like, how are you doing? <laughs> It's, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. because like you said, otherwise it is Groundhog Day. The commute to school is walking up the stairs and, uh, and you know, the, the the commute to watching the hockey game is about 10 paces to the left. Like that's really what we have left, right? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, it's been tough, but it's, it's nice to see faces like this and get a chance to reconnect uh, over stuff that we love. And so I'm, I'm really well, glad. I feel the same way back at you. Well, thank you. Um, I got to ask that I'm probably not you, Mike, but I'm pretty sure that you watched the Briar, right? Jamo. I did. Yes. Yes. Um, Here's a little known fact, not that I would expect anything about my life to be a well-known fact, but (laughs) I come from uh, growing up in Vancouver. My, uh, my mother was a very, very serious competitive curler and traveled the province and played a lot of on spiels and has, and I, if I were better prepared, I would show you, um, some of the things she um, led a rink that had an eight ender, which is you guys know is very rare. Yeah, get an eight sure. hole in ones are rare, but eight enders require a whole bunch of stuff to happen, as you know, right? Yeah. Things have to land, and you know, got an eight ender, right? Yeah, and so um, I'm the proud recipient of. I'm hoping it's all silver and very valuable. It probably isn't, but it's a margarine dish with her name emblazoned on it, Sybil Jameson. Uh, so I grew up around curling. I've curled a bunch of times, not well. Certainly didn't get her gene on that, but yeah, I watched the Briar. It's, it's a, you know, I, I really chafe when people say, you know, things about curling that it isn't this, it isn't that, it isn't. It was never meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. It, it's it's um, it's very um, detailed. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's also uh, at the highest level. It's damn hard. It's also a very social game, and that's a great thing, isn't it, at the end of the day? And people can play it late in life. Like, I think that that is one of the 
of the many redeeming qualities of curling, that's the one we should sort of go, God damn it, you can play this thing until you're very old. That's a good thing. <laughs> but also, I mean, at the Briar, you're seeing the very best in our country, and because of that, the, some of the best in the world. It's it's hard, man. It's real hard. It I I watch some of that stuff and think yeah. I would never be able to do that, but I, it just blows my oh. mind. And and the the strategy as I learned more about it and becoming kind of this ice filled chess game was amazing. Like it's it's, it's wild. Story precise. It, it the the level of precision in that sport is mind blowing. Um, I mean, the Briar does it. We see that in the Scotties and. You know, all of um, we, we we get a in in our country lots of opportunity to see it. But I'm telling you, like the the stuff at the Olympics. I don't know if you guys can remember back to the yeah. Olympics in Vancouver, and I, yep. you know, my late mother was there. wasn't that very far from her home, and so it was one of the rings she used to curl out of. So that when they go there, and it's like, you know, and I would talk to her, and she's like, you know, she knew curling, like, right tell the real stuff and i'm like wow it's it's and i was watching it on tv and it's like it's it's high level stuff it's it's not just you know the three of us going and having a few beer and throwing rocks up and down the ice (laughs) (laughs) although that would be fun too yeah that's right that would be a great deal of fun if we had enough beers beforehand, I'm sure they'd want to put it on TV. I mean, that's really how I figure that's yeah, how it yeah. Or during. I yeah. think that you, you're talking about the eight-ender versus the hole-in-one. It yeah. does relate very much to golf in that you can play it much yes. longer. It's not a fast sport, much like, no. um, uh, you know, if you're watching hockey or if you're watching rugby sure. or, or football. But it, um, it is very social. It is something that... Uh, I mean, I watched it. I thought it was great. I used to watch curling a lot, like religiously all the time, the Scotties, the nice. Briar, everything. Um, this year, I only got to watch the last day. So I got to see the uh, the the two games that Alberta won, which yeah. was outstanding. And it was such a slow start. It almost seemed like it. some people were calling it boring, but I thought it was just more of a simmer, just yes. seeing this this chess match between this offense and this defense. And I thought it was outstanding. If, if I may say this, um, I find the women's game more dynamic, and this is not that they're not, they're brilliant curlers. I think they almost take more chances, and they push it a little harder. There's more Whereas rocks the men play. are so clinical that it sometimes can lead to you know a lot of blank ends and a lot of defensive. You know, there's a lot of almost like boxing in a sense, you know, when you're sort of feeling out, feeling out and nobody's going for it. But I find that the women just go, all right, let's go. You know, let, we're, we're going to put up some points here. And, yeah. and I like that. It's fun. It's it's aggressive curling. Yeah, I find that too with the uh, the mixed doubles. Like you see that a yeah, lot yeah. where there's a ton yeah. of rocks in play and you're just like, holy cow. It's you, yeah. it's hard to follow, right? But it's fun. It's fun, it's fun to watch yeah. that. So um, yeah, but congratulations to Team Botcher, which is from Edmonton. And Absolutely. that's uh, exciting. And I'm glad he finally got one. I've been cheering for him for a long time. And <laughs> I just love the, like, the way that that team works together. I just, I love it. Love watching it. So. And watching the other team almost sort of self destruct. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah the imagery when they Curry. were getting yeah. the uh, the medals was rather stunning, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that for another time, and let's let's get into some football, shall shall we? Um, of course, the biggest question out there: um, if you could either have free tacos or free wings for life, which would it be? 
No, I mean, um, obviously, there's <laughs> that is Sophie's choice. Man. Can I answer? Do I get yes. a chance to yes. take a swing at that? Yes. I'll go wings, and I love a good, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, I don't know, not the, I guess the greater of two, not evils, but good things. <laughs> um, I will go wings because of the vari- the potential for variety. I mean, I like a good clean wing, you know, okay. just a, yep. a very simple pepper, thing. Yeah. Or, I mean, if it's depending on the kind of night you're involved in, I mean, you know, bib and the whole, you know, you're down in it. You know, it's a short yardage situation. Let's use that football term. It's short yardage with wings and a bib and alcohol. That's like a fine way to spend a night. But sure does. As soon as the yeah. uh, as soon as we're allowed, I know what the three of us are doing. Okay, that's that's the, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be the invite. Uh, yeah, short yardage exactly. football wings. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now there was a bit of news out this week, and, and I know we touched on it uh, on the YouTube live, but I want to get into it a little bit here. Uh, CFL and XFL talking about talking um, and uh, how they can work together uh, to grow the game of football. Uh, now, lots of people uh, jumped on to the, the Doomsday Merger Parade. Um, lots of other people, uh, I mean, there's a ton of other opinions across the league. Um, and, of is. course, the fans. Um, and uh, But, I mean, the one thing is, hey, we're, we're talking about something in the middle of March. So mm-hmm. I guess that that's a good thing. Um, but let's talk again. We'll, we'll just double back to this for the people who haven't watched the YouTube live. What, your gut reaction, what was your first thought when you saw that? And we'll start with you, Dave. I was intrigued. I was intrigued to hear that the two sides had met. I don't know how they got together. I guess it really doesn't matter. Uh, whether that was generated by Randy Ambrosi doing an outreach or the XFL going the other way, it, does, it ultimately doesn't matter. But at least there is a will to explore an opportunity for collaboration. Those are empty words. I know that as they're leaving my face. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, this I, I don't want the CFL. And I'm I'm not the XFL is minutes old. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a newborn in terms of the comparison to the where the CFL is. So my energy and my um, you know devotion, if you will, is to the Canadian Football League. So I but I I did like everybody or you know I'm sure you guys you go to oh my God what does this mean. You know, is this the end of three down football? What, what's going to happen to the jobs that are of young Canadian players? You know, the, the CFL for a lot of players who, you know, for any number of reasons, um, that was the highest level they could aspire to. And it's a damn high level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is the best league outside the National Football League. That's not a bad thing to hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I don't know about you guys, but if you said that the National Football League, and it is the undisputed leader in world leader in playing of North American style football, and you said, well, what's the two, the, the number two, uh, um, and it, you go, what's well, the Canadian Football League? It's been around for 100 plus years, and it's this and it's that, and it's got this rich history, and it's produced all these great players. That's not a bad thing. Absolutely. Now, um, 
I know that we and they, the CFL, live in a different time when you don't shout from the rooftop, we're number two. <laughs> but there, there is a place that they can reside, and they've resided, you know, quite comfortably. You know, when you're in football, and I was there for 14 years with the Edmonton football team, working, you know, we'd have scouts come in. And they would come to games and back when we could travel and people had those kind of budgets. And there was a gentleman named Jim Kreiner. Jim Kreiner was with the Kansas City Chiefs for a long time. He coached in the first XFL. And Jim would, he would be a yearly visitor. And I got to sit with him and I would do his pass up and meet him at, out, you know, when he was parking and kind of make sure he got looked after. And Jim would sit down and, and you know, I mean, this guy knew more football than God. I, you know, I can't even believe I was in conversations with a guy like Jim Kreiner just because I, you know, but I was in, interested and he was interested in who we were and he knew the league, respected the league. And and talking to guys like Bill Quinter, who was long time with the New Orleans uh, Saints, he coached in the CFL with BC and he was also a scout and meeting those gentlemen over the years um, I was always struck by how much they respected the Canadian Football League because they knew the quality they're not caught up in nonsense we get into like what's better and three downs versus four and the rouge and all that stuff they just wanted to know can a guy play right you ball can you can can player x ball and do what we need in New Orleans or wherever, Kansas City, wherever, it didn't matter. And so that was their job is to find guys that can ball. And um, I thought, you know, if people like this are traveling all this way, making their way across Canada, doing all of this stuff, um, then probably what we're doing is is worthy of people's time, energy, money, support, and so on and so forth. But, you know, we're 2021, and, and there's different questions to ask about the viability of the Canadian Football League and coming out of a pandemic and even going in. You know, there, there there's soft spots. We know them, Montreal, Toronto, and that kind of thing. And, and coming out of this, and I believe the CFL will come out of this, but is it going to be a leaner and meaner CFL? Uh, yes, I would assume so. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, wh- where does the XFL fit in that? I I don't know. I mean, they're, they've, they're going to have coffee. They're having more coffee, <laughs> that's, right? That's right. You know, I, I guess I, I, until we hear more and they're, they're doing up, you know, white papers and memorandums and, and all that kind of stuff. And the rock is cutting ribbons in Toronto and stuff. We won't know what this looks like, but at this point it's conversation to have more conversation. And that's not a bad thing. No, no, not at all. Um, super fan. Where, where did you land on this when you saw that? Uh, I thought it was interesting when I first saw it, I had said on the YouTube live that um, when I first saw it, I'm like, thought that was certainly a lot of potential. Uh, cross promotions, maybe even players that, you know, you're not ready for your roster. So you can say it's one of the teams in the XFL and vice versa. Um, You know, do you have room for this guy? We think he's really good. He just needs a little bit of seasoning. Um, Lots of different potential for this kind of thing to work. And then I went on social media and all hell had broken loose. Um, don't do that, was, Mike. Here's a tip. Don't, no. go on the, don't go on the social. No, no never read no the comments, comments, right? That's, that's the rule. Yeah. But uh, all of a sudden, my phone was just lit up like a Christmas tree with mm-hmm. all these alerts going off on, someone has tagged you. Someone has messaged, like, seriously? Like, they haven't talked anything about this. And 
I mean, there's a, a great book on the CFL talking about calling it the phoenix of uh, professional football leagues because it's died and come back so many times over the you know 150 <laughs> years practically of, yes. of football in Canada. Um, right. Like the was it Mark Twain that said the, uh, the reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated and it's yes. it's true about the league. I mean, it's been in trouble. I mean, we've heard a lot about 1987. We've heard a lot about the mid-90s when the U.S. expansion, how important that was. But I have to believe that we've survived this many years and this many crises that it wasn't going to be a problem. Uh, somebody is I, – I can't take credit for this, but we use the line, it's the cockroach of professional sports. <laughs> you can kill it and step on it and think you killed it, and then it, you'll go, oh, it's still moving. Yeah, it's still moving. And that, to me, resilience, as much as anything, is um, one of the really enduring qualities of the Canadian Football League. And you may want it to be something else. You may hope that it's something else. But if you can find a way to um, really carve out a spot for yourself in the entertainment landscape and diet of what uh, you know people want now um then you might be okay but you know there's there will be people and you guys know this who will go yeah i remember when it was you know commonwealth was sold out and you go well yeah i did you know you and i the three of us here on this on on this um show tonight remember crowds of sixty thousand plus didn't happen a lot but when it did, you went, whoa. In the early it's, 80s, it was a regular occurrence, though, when we yeah. finally I mean, I think it. I heard it said it was the fourth largest city in the province. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's, yeah. how it, the crowd, that's what a crowd like that looks. I mean, that's what it actually is. And so you um, – but those days are both nice as memories, but they're not where it is now. And so you have to figure out, okay, how can we operate in whatever now is, but not sort of throw your hands in the air and go, you know, we, 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 it's hard work, <laughs> yeah. I guess is the, you know, best way I can, it's, it's hard work. And, and we keep in mind that we love this community, Turf District loves this football team and loves this league. But when you go away for a year, you went quiet. Yeah. Right. And when you go quiet, you can get forgotten. Sure. That's also one of the things about this XFL talk. CFL wasn't quiet for a few days. Now, uh, can that days. happen every day? I doubt it. But yeah. it still means that there's life there in in the uh, in the CFL to me. Yeah. Well, no, there's there is obviously something to the talks. I mean, the XFL has decided to put their plans on hold for their 2022 season until they finish these talks. Um, The CFL, obviously, you know, they had all nine teams announce at the same time that in their own words, to some degree, uh, that they're having these talks with the XFL. So there's obviously something there, but I I don't know if it's any more, like you said, Mike, than cross promotion and players across the leagues and, and maybe a group TV deal of some kind. Sure. But, um, Maybe it's a possibility for more of those Canadian kids to go and play in the XFL, like they have yep. done with some of the other leagues. Like we, we, it could be such a wide range of what they're talking about that until we know what is it that you're talking about, I don't think that there's a whole reason to panic. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that's kind yep. of where I'm at. 
Yeah, and and I th- I think that's a really nice assessment of kind of where we should all be. But you know, we're not like that. We're no. not cool and rational like you. <laughs> we are hot takes. We are oh my god, sky is falling. Um, what's this going to mean? And you know, I, I I have tweeted this and said it on my show. I don't. I'm not in the group of give me three downs or give me death. Right. Right. I okay. just think that that might be not the best position to be in right now until I know what my what I'm up against here, we're up against here in terms of what the future is going to be. Now, um, as you as you say that, um, mm-hmm. I have I have a couple of thoughts. One is there is uh, a, a, another person out on the on the web that has said that <laughs> you know maybe you. Maybe you didn't support the CFL as much as you should have by putting your name on a fan base or something along those lines. Um, I think oh, we okay. all think we yeah. all know who I'm talking about. Um, Which is funny. Yeah. What, what did you have on that, Mike? Uh, well, the funny part is the money for the fan base didn't go to the league. Correct. So how are you supporting the league by putting your name on something when the money for that the proceeds don't go to the league itself? Correct. Yes. So, and we don't have, we've already had this whole Kevin Lowe tears of fans thing. Oh, it's no. more important than others. I hate to bring that up again, but, uh, you know, Wait. it's like, come on. Like, we've all spent our share of money on Canadian football, supporting yeah. the team, supporting the league. And you've brought up many times, as we have all brought up, yes. that if they want to, like, find out what the fans want, and the fans are screaming for things like CFL-branded mer- merchandise. Absolutely. Why can't I not buy a, a black shirt with a CFL logo on it, or a hat, or yes. like anything like that, where the money would go directly to the league? I don't get it. Yeah, that, that was my big thing. That, I have been asking it, I've been asking it, and every time that there's a chance that I get and stand in front of Randy Ambrosi, I ask him, so where are we at with some CFL merchandise? Because yes. I, I have all of my money that I'm ready to give to you. Could you please mm-hmm. put it onto a shirt and or, or go back to something like Radically Canadian or Our Bars Look Bigger? Or, I, I don't care. Just do something this, that makes me go, guys- yes, please give me that. I, I and please tell me I'm here to take um, you know opposing views. I think the the best marketing campaign that I can recall. Yes, our balls are bigger was memorable and it's funny and <laughs> this is you know radically Canadian. But I think this is our game and the video yeah. that they oh, uh, yes. promotional video that they produced in right. um, support that really nailed it you know the and if you haven't seen it go it's out there on youtube and we'll read you know it. this is a league of haji razulis and buanos and and on and on and on and it captured to me and some iconic images obviously um of what the league has meant but it also was and i forget what year that was if that was tied to the hundredth or it when it was yeah really captured where the leak was to that moment. Now, we're several years removed from that, so you can't... I don't know whether the Canadianness of the players rings as loudly now in 2021 as it did, but there's something in, you know, um, this is our league that still lives to me like mm-hmm. because that's really in essence what we're saying when we're talking when we get defensive and territorial about three downs and 
the Rouge and all of the, the, the stuff that we trotted out when we heard this XFL news, which was no way in hell that, you know, he hate me is coming up here and we're playing four downs. <laughs> Although well, he, he did. did. <laughs> Although he did come back up here. But yeah, like on, on, on my show, it was, oh, yeah, okay, here we go with this four downs stuff. And you're like, well, four downs kind of works down south, I've heard. Um, let's not slam every single door. And that's where I'm at is walk this thing as far into the future as you can, Randy Ambrosi and the owners or whatever, because I don't know with certainty that coming back as the old CFL and just kind of, you know, dusting off the, the dandruff from a year away and saying we're back is going to work right. for very long. I mean, there'll be a bump and a curiosity and let's get back to it. Got to remember, I work for a company that is the single largest <laughs> I mean, TSN Bell Media yeah. is a pillar mm-hmm. upon which the Canadian Football League stands. We couldn't be so, exist without TSN. And, right. And, so, yeah, so I'm here to say I have a dog in the fight and a vested interest, <laughs> and you know, on behalf of the the company I work for. But um, yeah, it's it's going to take some very creative. Um, you know, there there you want to protect what you can protect, but. Let's not do it at the um, at the expense of existing. And it's not uh, hyperbole to say, you know, the CFL is in that that special moment where it's got to think, okay, how are we going to move forward and be sustainable? It, Absolutely. I, I always find it funny that people talk about they're so afraid of the Americanization of our game. Mm-hmm. And I've got articles that are 100 years old where they're complaining about the Americanization of our game. If we didn't have <laughs> it's all so of these, you know, it's like back a hundred years ago, we were playing 14 men aside. The, yeah. the center didn't snap the ball back. He healed it back. So we had two guys holding him up while he <laughs> kicked the ball back to the quarterback. There was no forward pass. There was no uh, blocking on anything really like, and in the 40s, in the 50s, in the 60s, in, even yeah. into the 70s, they're all worried that we're just going so American. I mean, obviously, there are certain tenants to CFL football I would not want to change. Would not want to change the size of the field. I would not want to change no. the three downs. I wouldn't want to change the motion. There are just yeah. so many things that are so much a fat part of the fabric. And you can't, like, you couldn't change the size of the field and not change the number of players or maybe the waggle. Of course. But, yeah. But at the same time, it changes all the time. And the CFL has affected the NFL. You look at the NFL of the 70s and 80s, it's a very different game than Uh now. And a lot of that is because it's introduced things that the CFL's had. People in the NFL pay attention to the CFL. Sure. I mean, there's a reason. It's like an incubator, in a sense. Okay, it's an incubator, and I, and you, I'm sure you guys have either talked about it or talked to people. Say, well, why doesn't the NFL just come in and take over the CFL? Well, first of all, it doesn't need to because the NFL doesn't pay to develop its players. It's right. called college, yeah. and right. they just go, oh, you from Alabama, thank you, Alabama, for developing this young gentleman for two, three years, whatever it is. Yep. Thank you. We'll take him now. So why would they buy a league to do what they kind of do already? But they can pick off the best of what the CFL has, you know, Alex Singleton notably, and there's lots of others, and we know the history. Um, So 
and again, we don't have to go that far that far back to when the NFL was propping the CFL up with some money. I worked the 99 Grey Cup. I can tell you that the Hamilton Tiger Cats have never looked better wearing the Pittsburgh Steelers pants. <laughs> and that's the truth because they yep. got equipment from them. Yeah. Sure given to, to them to get through yeah absolutely and, and and i <laughs> i don't know every time i i start talking about it i'm like well again we're we're, we're there's a lot of pontificating going on but we're yeah. you know I, I agree with you jmo is that we the the end game is do we have football that we get to go and watch in edmonton yeah. right yes and yeah. and i'm i i agree with mike i don't want uh, a whole ton of changes to the Canadian game. Of course, I, I love the rules. I love the speed. I love all the, the wide fields, all those types of things. Um, I, my, I guess the, the, in my other quiet moments though, I thought, well, am I so tied to those that I don't have, that I'd rather not have, but I'd, I'd, I'd have to have, uh, I have to go to a different game or have mm-hmm. no game, like like I don't and I don't know and, and I don't I don't know exactly where that is right. So I, I go back and forth with I I sure like to be able to at least still see my team in my stadium and mm-hmm. enjoy that. Um, yeah. uh, now would I be super happy about it if all of a sudden we're all four downs? Well, no, but it's not like I couldn't get used to it. Um, and if it was, do, do I think there's any chance at all that they would all go three downs? I don't think so but it'd be interesting if that i mean that's not off the table i mean the x like you said the xfl if if we're talking you know you know pandemic terms the cfl is old enough to get their vaccination and the xfl doesn't need a mask because they're too young (laughs) so i mean it's we're yes right like we're at the point where maybe the xfl is going hey like teach us how to do this who who knows like there's so many possibilities I asked the question on my show. I will ask it of you and the people listening to this. What does the XFL have to bring to the CFL? Other and and I throw this out here. I'm not. It's not in the pejorative. Other than the Rock's considerable clout mm-hmm. in both his brand and social media and that sort of thing. And what does the CFL in turn have to give to the XFL? Because the supply of players, there is the factory that is football. If you want to use the image of this giant factory and players are coming down a chute, like the ones they have in the Costco's, you know, where you put the money tube up and they go whoosh. Right. And there are players coming out of there down that chute constantly. So, and I don't want to get derailed talking about CFL 2.0. And I get the sort of the larger vision of Randy Ambrosi saying, you know, if we grow the CFL brand and we become that play, that, that league that, you know, we're into Finland and Denmark, wherever, you know, doesn't, but there are so many football players produced with not nearly enough jobs for, to go around, mm-hmm. you know, um, we know that it's really tough to make the NHL or the AHL, and, and we've got lots of hockey players in our midst here in this community. We know that. Try imagine a football player. How many colleges play it? Absolutely. And try and crack the national football. I mean, it's just incredible. And so um, I don't know. Again, I come back to the question of I'm not sure who – is giving what to whom in this relationship. 
relationship, who is outside of, again, The Rock's power and is a brand. But I, I don't want to be dismissive of, uh, certainly not of who he is, but at the end of the day, I mean, he can only go into Hamilton and say, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Right. <laughs> so many times before, like, how does it tangibly change the experience on a week in week out basis i mean we we i would say in here in edmonton you know you bring in shannon sharp or roman reigns mm-hmm. what did that do for the fan you guys sitting in the seats to say oh i need to bring two of my friends to come to this and they tell two friends right the old shampoo commercial right so <laughs> that would be where i go like on, the, on, on all of this. I'm not discounting. In fact, I'm, you know, color me intrigued, color me interested, but I'm, I'm just, I'm asking those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, our, our good friend, Sean Sproul said, uh, maybe the rock is just trying to get in there to finally get his revenge because he got cut from that other team. We're not talking about. So he just buys it and cuts everybody. And that's, that's the, nice. no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of go more along the lines of what you were thinking there. Jamo is that, uh, and BB can Ryan said this too, is that I can't believe I'm agreeing with him, but it's maybe uh-huh. this is like a, a friends with benefits type of situation, right? Like maybe that's, maybe that's mm. how this lands a little bit, uh, a little yeah. bit different than what we're all kind of, um, worried about so i i'm excited to see what they come up with and what they announce and then we can say oh i really like that or oh i could get used to that or oh my god they actually screwed everything up and we don't know that until we know more (laughs) other than we're talking right yeah right i i mean i know that uh doug mcclain who was of course one of the original co-hosts of this podcast as well as a good friend of ours um talked about we know what the CFL can offer or the, the XFL can offer to the CFL, but what does the CFL offer to them that is something that they can monetize? And yeah, I don't exactly. necessarily know what we can offer. I mean, you can offer legitimacy or legacy or whatever you want to call it, but I don't know if that's something you can monetize, right? So they can offer Thanks. us money. They can offer us marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what we give them other than, you know, you've got – 30 some odd million people in Canada, many of whom watch things like the Grey Cup and end games every week. If you slip an XFL reference in there every game, maybe that'll help. I don't know. Tom Wright, uh, who I really loved as a commissioner, by the way, um, I think, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but there's nothing that wouldn't solve the CFL's problems that an extra 50 million people in Canada. Right. <laughs> and when you think about it, <laughs> It's not, I mean, this is a league that goes not coast to coast, you know, tries, and yeah. there's hope mm-hmm. right, yeah. for the scores. Um, it's their pockets, and because of this vast land, um, but it doesn't have many places that could be, so you know what, you know the limitations. I sure. mean, and and we, we've lived with that for a long, long time, and I'm sure Farley Moe's written a book about it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's uh, that's what it is, and and you know to to your point, like the exit. What does Canada or CFL rather have? I mean, you go to the Rock and you say, yeah, you know what? You'll have the market quarter in Hamilton, Winnipeg, and he's like, what? Like, what does that do for us materially? You know, they need to worry about getting a foothold in Kansas City, and yes. and you know, 
Los Angeles. Like that. With all much love to our, my country. This, yeah. this is the see, and the one thing that I thought of when I read that thing from Doug was they were saying, "What, what can they offer?" Well, I, I think you said earlier, Dave, that this is comfortably the number two league in the world is the yeah. CFL, <laughs> and so yes. those. Players, you cannot tell me that there are, and, and there is obviously a number of players that were in the XFL that are now signed up here to play with us. Mm-hmm. The Edmonton right. football team has eight of the seven of them or eight of them. And right. um, there is talent here in players that they could use in the XFL. Like sure. you cannot tell me that they're looking and going, you know, the, the, the backup quarterback <laughs> on the, the BC Lions is better than the starting quarterback that we have in Seattle. Like, and when I watched the XFL the first time around, that was the huge thing for me was that there are, were a lot of, like the quarterback play was probably the roughest part of the game. And, yes. and I looked at, when I watched this latest iteration, I thought, this is like a bunch of teams that are still in training camp and they just don't get the game yet. And it's going to take well, some time. But once they get the game, I think it'll actually be a decent game. And yeah. maybe what they need are those players. And maybe that's where that that is something that the CFL has that they can offer back. And, and it'll be interesting to see if that plays out insurance wise and all those other things. So, Right. All right, perfect. Well, then that wraps that one up pretty well, I would say. <laughs> so let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, our team, shall we? Um, yes, please. First thing, um, whenever we talk about player signings, um, this week we have a player that we need to talk about uh, retiring. And um, Calvin officially calls it a career. Uh, Calvin McCarty, uh, obviously a friend of the podcast, um, one of the greatest uh, guys and players that I've been lucky enough to know and uh, still one of my greatest uh, memories with Calvin. Uh, Mike, you and I shared this one. Uh, At the 2015 Grey Cup, we were there for the walkthrough. And uh, Mm. so we got to do watch them do the walkthrough. Then we go down on the field and we're standing at midfield and Calvin comes running out to see all the fans like he always does to come and see the people. And uh, one of the guys that was there says, uh, Calvin, oh, it's so great to see you. This is my first gray cup. And Calvin just looked at him dead in the eye and he's like, mine too. And we (laughs) laughed so hard. And then at the end of that game, he ran over to the sidelines after the confetti went and came over and walked right up to myself and Chad and, uh, you know, gave us a hug. And, you know, and the first thing he said is, no, this is for you guys. Like, he was so happy mm-hmm. to win, but he he yeah. was everything for this team and this community. And uh, obviously, we, you know, wish him all the best. I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. But I- I'm sure you have Calvin stories, both of you. So, uh, J-Mo, let's start with you and then we'll go to Superfan. Well, I go back to a an overcast day at Clark Stadium for a tryout, yeah, uh, and meeting and meeting them there for the first time, and then and and knowing a little bit about them, and we were in the in the old office, 
so you caught a lot of the talk between the coaches and the you know. Did you pick him up players. from the airport? Sorry, I just need to ask. Did you pick him up no, from the airport? I did, no, oh, I didn't. okay. Because I mean, he told I, this I, story I picked this up week. Tommy Cavill, but that's okay. another <laughs> story on another night. Okay. Sorry. Um, um, and Arab and Justin. I also gave Arab and Justin okay. a ride home from the airport. Nice. We stopped at McDonald's, by the way, uh, just off White Avenue. Um, <laughs> But wow. all of that said, Calvin McCarty, and, you know, when I talked to him on my show, and Cal and I got, you know, I was there when he arrived, and here I am talking to him, um, you know, after he departs. Um, he was as honest a football player um, that I came across. And I say that in, in a way, in terms of he never cut a corner. He worked terribly hard at practice um and, and you know a lot about a player who, when asked to play special teams, you know, he's a very good fullback, great hands, underrated hands, yeah. um, great blocker. It's good fullbacks. They have to be. But, you know, not everybody loves the idea of taking on D linemen and linebackers and stuff. It's not fun. Like Calvin McCarty did, you know, there's chopping of wood, carrying of water and all that stuff. <laughs> he That's where he lived in football. And so um, – but a guy who would run down on special teams and blow people up, like that's not for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's, if it were, then more guys would say, yeah, sign me up, coach. I'll go in on special teams. I mean, I still remember Riddell Anthony, a, a, a first-round pick in the National Football League, who came to camp for us, Michael Know the Year. And this is a guy <laughs> who like Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like this, this, this dude was a stud. Mm-hmm. And so we sign him and he comes up here and he'd been rinsed out of the NFL and he came off after an offensive series and it was, you know, he's reaching for the, the Gatorade and he's going to stand there and kind of chill. And somebody went, um, you're not done. And he's like, what? It's like, no, 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 you're out on teams. And he's like, no, I, I'm not doing that. It's not oh. like that's the – Un, like that's the thankless task stuff of football. And Calvin McCarty did all of that, did it for 13 years, showed up, you know, we were laughing when we were chatting. He arrived when the Eskimos, sorry, fine yeah. jar, were getting, they were in a transition. You guys yep. know what that looked like. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. One in 05, Cal arrives in 07. Is that 07 the first Okay, we know what 06 was like. We know what 07 was like. Um, it took a while to, you know, kickstart the kickstart the motor again and reboot the hard drive. Yeah. So he was there at the front end, um, and and you know it was really of all the people that I was pleased to see win a cup when they did in '15. It was him. Yes, sir. Awesome. What about uh, you, Riddell and Anthony? Was 03, by the way. No. <laughs> of course, yeah. you would know that. Of course, oh, yeah. he wouldn't have made that team if, even if he'd been good. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I just remember because yeah. he came at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and everything else. Right. Oh, trust me. Yeah. Hey, you knew NFL guys by the way they carried themselves. Sure. He carried themselves like you know. Do you know me? And I'm like, mm. well, not really, dude. <laughs> you know, like I'm. I'm sorry. I'm dealing over here with Jason Tucker. You know, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we're we're good over here for stars. Yeah, but yeah. Tell me more about Tampa Bay, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, Mike, do you have a, a Calvin story? 
Oh, there's oh, just tons of moments that I remember with Calvin. Just uh, like you said, that that walkthrough in 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember right after that, I remember getting to talk to him just very briefly because, you know, he would make time for anybody. But you knew he had to get back to the rest of the team. And just saying that um, I was saying to him that I was hoping against that we'd win, obviously, as a, as a fan. But it would just mean a lot to be able to see him after all the years he'd been through hoist the trophy and he said yeah but i'm here winning it for you yeah and it's just like he was just so selfless right and and then for plays on the field um was it 2017 he had that one one one-handed catch and then dove in the end zone yeah 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 yeah. i Uh, mean that did that one the uh the they had all the different plays or whatever that's the one that won right yeah um, he had hands, big time hands, yeah. and people because of what he did, and and you know, and his body type. The guy was a, I mean, he was a Smith. He was a container. He was a Smith right <laughs> container as a, as a human. So you go, he can catch, and you're like, yes, he can catch as well and as any receiver. Him over the middle, and he just kind of you know suction cup the ball, and then sort of tuck it in, and and kind of you know round his shoulders. I mean, he, I mean. I know, I you know, and I've seen Cal go flying over people and get, you know, I wouldn't say blown up because I don't know how you would blow up someone who's built sure. like him. But he gave, like, when he was coming downfield, wow, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> he just, he was in that time, was it 2008, where everyone was hoping that he'd be a bigger part of the offense, but he was just... Yeah. You know, um, uh, Machocha said he was too important on special teams to make right. a full-time starter because if he went down, then that hurts both sides of both offense yeah. and special teams. And- Dwayne Mandrusiak, who should always get the last word on a lot of yes, things sir. when it comes to this, um, I loved his comment that Calvin McCarty is one of the very few players who could play in different eras. Sure. So oh, could you yeah. not see him as a Neil Lumsden? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you just go through the time and, you know, knowing if you want to start at the 70s, I'm, 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 I'm old, but I'm not real old like I can give you <laughs> 60s football. Although I know the Eskimos weren't very good in the 60s. That I know. But no, said, I mean, you could see Calvin finding a place in mm-hmm. any era of football yep. because of, you know, again, the honest style and the workman, um, the work ethic. Yep. Lunch yeah. bucket. Yeah, I've strapped on the helmet and and you go to work and right. You know, I'm I love Calvin. I know a lot of people have been asking, saying that he's a you know for sure guy to go on the wall of honor. I don't see that happening, just because of so many players that have been similar to that, where he's a huge fan favorite, but because of what he did on special teams, he didn't get the numbers. Um, yeah. And can I can Mike can I just add something here? Yeah, of course. Um, as, as some, you know, and I did have this opportunity to work on the induction of a number of players, John Legron, yep. Rock, Fleming, and, and right. all of that. Um, one of the defining characteristics, qualities, or requirements, depending on how you want to read it, of a wall of honor induction reads, and I, I've seen the parchment paper, the Dead Sea Scrolls, <laughs> of when that whole thing was, was started, um, is... The, the 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 work that that player and the relationship to the community. Yeah. Okay. Did that player stay here? Well, a lot don't, and we we understand why. But when they were here, wearing the green and gold and the double E, did they make a 
significant contribution to the community yep. in which the team operates. And Calvin McCarty is that and then some. Absolutely. I mean, Fair. You know, and we're talking to him and interviewing him, I said, Cal, a lot of people may, they'll know you as a player, but for a lot of young kids in the city, young people now, I mean, they've grown up, they will know you as the guy who came in and spoke to them, yep. either at a, an assembly or a PE class or an in-classroom visit from the Stain School Program and so on and so forth. And whether they went on to play football is immaterial. The fact that you were the guy, sure. you were, in a sense, a defining figure for an organization for 13 years out there, not on the field, not, you know, on TSN or wherever, you know, on the radio, you were out there in the schools and interacting with the kids and the teachers and all that. That's, that's impactful. Not everybody on the wall of honor to my mind, I don't have a vote needs to, um, I think it needs to be a substantial, and I mean a really significant impact on the the organization on and off the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I know fullback doesn't make you go. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just bore you with one, and I hope I'm not boring you. But not at you all. know, when we added John Legrone, which was tied into the '60s retro night. Mm-hmm. You know. Thing that we did now john legrone was absolutely i mean should be there is there um, should be in the hall know, of fame should be in the hall of fame but a, a great player in a bad time uh, bad teams in a in a dark period for the organization um and i remember talking to people going you know and they're like well why why are you doing that and i said because we're writing a historical wrong here in my opinion yep. is that and also tied in with what we were doing but here was a guy that was overlooked for any number of reasons and so they did it and we're you know the organization did it that now with calvin mccarty I don't know what the process is now to induct players. I'm I'm not there. I haven't been for quite some time, but I would suggest that, um, that there are, and if, if you don't have a wall, then may I suggest something like a a contributor? I mean, Hugh Campbell is not on the wall, which boggles my mind. He's a contributor. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Dwayne Mandrusiak, you tell me he's not worthy of the, of the wall. Right. Come on. Yeah. Get real here. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I I take a, a Calvin McCarty and, and equate him to similar to like a Jed Roberts. Jed yes. is so yes. important in the community. He still holds the record for most special teams tackles. And number two, he has 50% more than the number two person, who's Matthew Bertrand. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's I'm going to do this to you guys. Many. You're going to hate me. That's called a Gretzky in the special teams category. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it's right? just one of those things and, and I've talked to him and he goes there's no way I'd go up on the wall of honor and I'm like if it was up to me there'd be someone for someone like you Ron Forwick who's a guy that played again in the 60s um, sure. that maybe didn't get that uh, Howie Shum Ted Tully there's so many guys from the 50s and 60s that didn't necessarily get the numbers like that but are so important you can't have a team without guys that are the glue guys sure. right and yeah, I think absolutely. what he did on the field what he did off the field, should he be recognized? 100%. Do I think he will get recognized? I don't think so right now. Maybe. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Keep, keep in mind, just to further support what you're saying, this is a community-owned team. Yep. Okay. Right. Now, 
that you may say, well, at the end of the day, who cares what the ownership structure is? Um, it's all about winning and losing and championships and so on. Okay, that's fine. But what we're talking about here are some of the things that speak to the fabric and, and the DNA of an organization, its relationship with the community, and, and guys like Ted Roberts. And I would, you know, if I had a vote in this, I would second that because I was there for the tail end of Jed's career. And I know that he provided the, the again, the fiber that connected a previous group of yep. Edmonton players and then really kind of connected the, the Herveys and that group that came in and in the 99 and 2000 and right. that paved the way for the what we saw in 02, which was disappointing, but that was a hell of a team, and then in 03 yep. and it became fully realized. Yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. Well, we... Um as we've said many times, uh, congratulations to Calvin, and and I'm gl- I'm yeah, glad absolutely. I'm glad that he's staying here. And uh, I was actually lucky enough to be part of the Pay It Forward with Football Zoom call this week with uh, Calvin McCarty, which is great because then you get to hear his tone low voice. And yeah. uh, we had a yes. <laughs> <laughs> had some yeah. good laughs Call with him. Medina. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, he's going to do some great things with them as well. So uh, we're really looking forward to it. And, and congrats, Calvin, for sure. Um, let's move on to some other signings that the team had. Um, no, you know, nothing huge, but um, uh, we did bring in wide receiver Jalen Tolliver. Uh, now he's from the XFL Vipers, which of course is where uh, our coach was. <laughs> Elizondo yeah. was coaching there. So he mm-hmm. knows him. Uh, I guess he was fourth in that league in receiving in the time that they had them. So, Hey, not, not so bad to bring in a guy like that. Uh, linebacker, AJ Hodgkins. Now that's so close. awfully close. Yeah, exactly. If he wears 27, we all know what Jersey I'm anyway. Okay. Well, uh, Tanner green might say, you know, yeah, probably not. And I'm probably going to get a Tanner green Jersey. We all know that. Okay. Uh, defensive lineman, Andrew Ankra, who was from the St. Louis Battlehawks. So yeah, that sorry. makes him good already. That's good. Uh, defensive lineman, Reggie Howard, who came from Toledo. That's just a football name. Isn't it? Reggie Howard. Oh yeah. That just sounds like it. it you know, if yeah. it wasn't for the fact that we already had a Jimmy Gaines award, it would be the Reggie Howard award. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a, a new football player. Um, Defensive lineman Matt Boson as well, who played a bit with the BC Lions. Uh, we did have a couple of releases, uh, all guys that were kind of signed in the background and now released. Uh, defensive lineman Justin Horton, linebacker Josh Banderas, defensive lineman Zach Barnes, defensive lineman Dwayne Beckford, and defensive back Chris Rayford uh, are the ones that are listed by the team. And then, Mike, you found a few other things, including, unfortunately, the cut of one Mike Smith. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I, I thought it was interesting that of the five people that were cut uh, since we last recorded, mm-hmm. uh, only one of them I've seen play. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like, that was Zach Barnes, <laughs> who was in the 2018 training camp. Right. Right. Uh, and then he, I think, retired and then unretired in 2020 and obviously no season. But uh, Banderas, we signed right oh. in, in t- December of 2019. Uh, Dwayne Beckford was November 27th, 2019. And the other guys are 2020. So, so these are all guys you know. that, hey, we hardly knew ye. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and listen, can we agree that if Banderas is not called Antonio, <laughs> we're not doing our jobs? <laughs> like, there's just no way. I mean, that, that one put it on a tee 
when he comes to camp and he's getting fitted and you just say Antonio. And he's like, hey, my, my name is, and you go, nope. Today and starting today, <laughs> it's Antonio, and you just settle in. Like, that's how nicknames arrive. Like, you just go, no, you don't get a say in this. And they're like, well, that, that, but that's not my name. I'd like you to respect it. And you go, no, not here. It's Antonio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, you'd well. expect it from Brian Hall. But- yes, well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Ricky Ray is throwing left-handed. Yeah. That's Stephen LaFour's. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my Stephen favorite LaFour. lines he ever had. Oh, yes. my. I would be, yeah. I'd just be calling him Zorro. That would have been fun. Like, hey, yeah. aren't you Zorro? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So right now we got uh, Justin Cates for uh, a nickname. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> My name's practically Justin Cates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get you. No, yeah. no, we, we already have one nickname We're all set up, Rodney right? Smith. Rodney yep. Smooth. That's right. Yes, uh, we're excited. Autocorrect is a great thing. Yeah, and the best part is, is he likes it. It's not you know, nearly as funny as Hakuna Matata, but it's still like we'll find the <laughs> names. They'll all come. We know they're going to be there. That's how this works. Yeah. Um, before we uh, before we sign off tonight, I, I we have to do some stories with Uncle Jamo because oh. that's mm-hmm. what, that's what we do when we have you yeah. on. Um, sure. Jed Roberts uh, asked us to ask you the the difference between wine versus wine. <laughs> so there's wine, and I, if I may, wine, and then there's wine. Wine, wine is a that's heavy combat stuff. That is. The night has taken a turn, and you are now into, again, a short-yarded situation. And you are faced with, wang. You know what I'm saying. It may come from a box. It may just be in an open pail. And I don't know how you might be just reaching your hand in and bringing it up to your face, or you've got a solo cup... But it's wang. <laughs> that is how, and that is again. That's that's that. You know, the night has either gone. It may have gone very well, depending on where you're at in the evening, or it's a bad place, and that's the last thing you sort of see before the lights go out. Oh yes, I'm so aware. Wang. Oh, I know, I know why. Sounds like the yeah. tailgate needs to have more wine. That's <laughs> that would be, you know what? That would be the last tailgate, and then we shut everything down. It's sort of like we would be saying, "Do you remember that tailgate where we had wine?" And you go, "Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it didn't go very well. No, it didn't. And there are no more tailgates." I was gonna say the answer is. I remember most of it, but I remember that I don't drink wine anymore. Yeah. That's the, yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you carved a new path for yourself following that night. I got, yeah, I've heard of those. Okay, perfect. Um, okay. So then the next one I want to talk about, um, I'm going to talk, uh, do a little plug here for us. We, we have brand new podcast t-shirts uh, that mm. uh, have the turf district on them and uh, we're selling those we have all sizes from extra small all the way to 3xl um and if you heard that off the top of the show of course uh, ten dollars from every shirt is going to the Dwayne randruziak legacy fund for amateur football uh, through the edmonton community foundation um i'm sure you have a good story about pops oh, 
<laughs> How many well, good stories? Yeah, I, uh, like, well, he's, I mean, he's our favorite. Let me, uh, yeah, I've got a bunch. I've got a bunch. I don't know if I've told the... Um, I maintain that Dwayne, in my time there, Dwayne made one mistake. The one mistake that was sort of visible. And that we went to Regina... And we were playing the dreaded Rough Riders. Um, doesn't matter. It, I, it was a regular season game, as I recall. Blisteringly hot night. Regina was either windy in a way that is unhum- inhumane to everybody, <laughs> or it was pulverizingly hot. Like, I didn't know any other sort of variant or, um, you know, way that that place could be. Anyhow, we, we go, went there, and the... I got a call or, you know, back then I probably had a flip phone and Dwayne said, Hey, we got a, an issue um, with a player number. And I'm like, okay, well I'm, you know, nearby and I'll come in and see it. Well, um, Ed Hervey's number had not 81 had not been packed. Okay. Ooh. So uh, they were having to scramble to find a new number for Ed. And so I arrive and Dwayne is there with Ed and Ed's a dear friend and we love him a lot. Um, but in game mode, Ed could be intense. And, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, just a touch. <laughs> and I, I arrive, and there's Ed, you know, all these, you know, six foot whatever, and he's in his, we're in the white pants back then, which was a great look. The white pants, and he's standing there in the locker room, and it's I think it's just Dwayne and Ed. And Dwayne's explaining to him, like, hey, you know, like, dude, I'm going to have to go with, this tonight, six. You're going to have to wear six for this game. And Ed's sort of standing there, and clearly he's at 81 for a long time. And then Dwayne goes, but Ed, think of it this way. Single digit, it'll make you look so much slimmer. <laughs> and I am I am just like, I am biting my lip witnessing this. I'm like, well, being slim would not have been the biggest issue for Ed. He's pretty trim at the best of times. Um, but anyhow, it, it was great, and he ran. I forget what he did that night, but I had to advise, you know, Halsey, so we didn't call him Quincy Cole Carter or whoever. Um, and so I had to advise, you know, the TV people. Anyhow, all of that stuff. But I just love that line. But hey, it's single digit. It's slim. I thought that was great. But, you know, you ask for stories. There's so many. Um, Dwayne on a sideline in a tight game, um, you know, I would come down late in the game or whatever it was, would have a line to make that would make you laugh. He could break attention. He could read a room, read a, a, a scenario. Like, what did not just the players require, but what did the coach require in that moment? It could just be sliding up and listening to a guy bitch about refereeing or whatever it was. And so it was an innate ability to understand the people who were under a lot of stress, what they needed in the moment to job the best of their ability, and also a great deal of empathy. And I have told this story in different ways and in different places about guys would come in to the locker room and they were, you know, and I I would drive sometimes the shuttle and bring them over from when they were on Kingsway staying there and bring the guys over and get them fitted and whatever. And so you'd get them to the room and they would line up and they would go in to see Dwayne to get fitted for pads and helmet and all that kind of stuff. And, And listening to Dwayne talk to these guys, 
okay, who had arrived and some had had great experiences. Remember, they were maybe they were stars somewhere else, but just making them feel like they were part of. I'm going to say it, the Eskimos from their day they arrived, they might've been there six days. They might be camp casualties, guys that got dinner on Delta, but Dwayne treated them like they were Warren Moon or Dan Kepley. You know, they were just, once you crossed the threshold and you came into Commonwealth stadium, you were part of that group. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter if you were a 10 day guy, two day guy, 10 year guy, you got, you were wearing the green and gold. And I, I learned, and I, I, I will say this now, I'll say it as long as I'm drawing a breath. I learned more about football, not the X's and O's and how the game's played. I still don't know what the hell's going on out there. I mean, it's all baffling <laughs> me. I mean, somebody has a ball, they throw it, somebody catches it, and people cheer. But how to be in that environment and support those who are playing and coaching. Um, I learned everything from Dwayne just watching. And sometimes he would slide over and go, Hey, you know, and, and, but if you paid attention, you were in class to, you know, teacher was, was teaching. You just had to pay attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I know it's, that was always one of our favorite parts of training camp is Dwayne comes over and, Oh, here's the latest stories. Okay. Yep. <laughs> just, just sit down and okay. Just tell What's us. Like oh, tonight? Yeah. oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just tell, just tell us more because uh, yeah, he always had the, the great stories. Um, yep. Now I got to rewatch so. that game in 2003. Yeah. Where Herbie was wearing <laughs> six. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was the Hayden Epstein getting it blocked. I can't. They all become a blur. I just remember. I remember the people in Regina. God, and they're wonderful people, each and every one of them. I, I was just actually sharing this a few nights ago with Dwayne. I remember one night because I'd be I start the game in the press box and do whatever running around I had to do, and the game would start. And sometimes it would make my way down, depending on you know what happened. Then at halftime, I had to get the coach to the TSN interview and just kind of you know general kind of housekeeping. But sometimes, you know, third quarter, or at the, I would kind of wander in it at Mosaic. You had the long walk of shame from you came out our locker room, you hard left and around down the sideline. You, <laughs> you came out in the rider bench. Yeah. So, you know, I'm this, you know, guy in my bad khakis and green and gold golf shirt. So I come out <laughs> and I hard left and I'm down the sideline and I'm walking and I'm by myself. So I am alone take me, Regina, and do with me whatever you feel you need to do. And so people are just shouting stuff, and I can hear, you know, things being yelled at me, and I'm like, okay, that's great. At least you're not throwing stuff like in Calgary. And I and I make my way sort of through the end zone by the band, you know, the rider, the famous rider band. The band they're, yeah. you know, honking and bleeding and doing whatever they do. And a guy yells, hey, are you the doctor? And I look, and I'm like, um, no, I'm not, I'm not the doctor. Do you need one? And he's like, no. And I said, and, and I'm not the doctor. And he goes, well, who are you? And I said, well, I'm the PR guy. Like I, you know, and he goes, I can't say the word on the podcast, but then he just basically tells me to fire trucker. <laughs> and I, I stood there and I'm like, like I am just walking to go over to stand by the kicking net. Like I am, I don't, why are you angry at me? It was just one of those sort of moments, you know, it's like, God love you, Virginia. 
like Philadelphia. <laughs> it just, yeah, you're oh, not with absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just reaching to plug in my, my uh, computer here. But yeah, I remember David Archer one night. They had hung. So as you guys know, Dave, <laughs> the fans had a hard time sort of, you know, getting on board with Dave in 98. Hmm, and there weird. were a couple of people who hung some signs from the upper deck. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I'm standing on the sideline with Dave, and he, we're looking up at them, and I forget what they said. I, you know, It was pretty mild. I mean, David Archer had been a Philadelphia Eagle, so he's right. like played in a, in, a, in a stadium that had a jail in it. So <laughs> Dave's, seen, Dave's seen some stuff go down in his day. And I'm looking at the sign going, God, I mean, how, you know, how does that make you feel? And he looks at me like, dude, I played for a team where they threw batteries at us. <laughs> like, well, okay, I guess so. Two guys holding a bed sheet that says David Archer is not as good as Kerwin Bell. You're not too worried. And he's like, yeah, I'm good. I think I'll survive this. Thanks. Well, I was a rookie, right? So I was like super right. sensitive. You know, I'm thinking Dave's like probably had knife fights in the dressing room and all. I mean, I it took me a while, right? You put someone through a table later, so I mean, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, oh yes, yeah. so you remember that? John Saxman and I are good friends, right. and we still will talk about the night that was it. Glenn Rogers Jr. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so it, I don't know if I've shared this. So he gets tossed out of the game. I'm down on the field. And, and it's, again, I'm like, it's my rookie year. I don't know what I'm doing. And I go to, like, the, we know what happens. And Glenn Rogers Jr. gets thrown over the scorer's table. And I forget, I think it was John Sexsmith made some crack about it on the PA. And Hugh Campbell fired him or something. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Anyhow, all of that said. Um, and I go in the dressing room, and it's just Archer and I. So, he gets tossed out, but as he's going off, he gave the finger to the knot hole gang. Right. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, man. why not? I've doubled down. You're going to double down on I, the I uh, guess. problem. And so he did that, and it, you know, I mean, hey, why not? Um, so we get in the room, and it's the two of us. We're sitting there, and I said, well, I'm trying to make conversation with this quarterback who's, you know, drenched in sweat. He's been chucked out, booed out of the stadium. And I'm like, wow, that didn't go very well or something like that. And I said, now, do you want me to do something with the media? Like, Dave, you know, should we make a run for it now? We'll get in your car and we'll drive away. He's like, no, open the door, man. I screwed up. Like, and I thought and it was an early lesson for me, selfishly, about accountability and you know, being a professional and and right. sort of wearing whatever may have come. I mean, David Archer at that point in his career, I mean, there was no, it wasn't like he was, you know, going ahead 20 more years ahead of him. He was on at the end. But I, I remember that distinctly. And, and I, I don't have a lot of stuff from my time, but David Archer signed a program for me, the one that was the first program of that season where he's on the cover looking very handsome and, you know, and he asked most stuff and it was all very posed and all that. And, and he signed a program for me, which I still keep, um, which means a great deal to me, uh, you know, and certainly given that, that night and, and uh, um, yeah, that, that God, that Glenn Rogers jr. God, that was a, that was a tough day at the office for sure. Yeah. That's back when Rogers was with uh, the lions. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It kind of sounds to me like Archer was Twitter before there was Twitter. Like just <laughs> double down on everything and just that's it. Don't, I don't care what I you think. I'm Arch. saying what I want. When, when Ottawa, when the Red Blacks came back, um, I had I talked to Dave. I called him at, at the radio station in Atlanta because he's color on the Falcons uh, radio broadcast, or I think he still is. And so we had him on the show, and it was it was so great to connect with him again. I mean, he's very smart, very funny guy, uh, and he spoke so highly of his time in Ottawa. But, yeah, that was uh, – yeah, David Archer. Man, we had some we had some beauties in that '98 year, right? From <laughs> Kay Stevenson on out, we were taking uh, the world by storm, huh? That's, yeah, that's that was uh, a fine year. Yeah, something. Yeah. There. Well, there was a storm anyway, but I don't know if yes, we're taking yes. anything. But there was definitely a storm. Um, all right. Well, yeah. before uh, before we finish off here, I, I just got to say this uh, this episode is also brought to you by the great shows on the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, we've had some great new additions to uh, the sh- to the network. Uh, you can check out Real Learning with Real People, hosted by Ken King. Uh, he has unscripted conversations with people that are grinding to get the most out of life. Uh, Ken talks to anyone from athletes to astronauts uh, and and all the other letters as well. I know I just put A's in there, but uh, a recent episode even had uh, Dr. David Legg, who is the past president of the Canadian Paralympic Committee, uh, and about building deep relationships. Um, so there's lots of variety and lots of real talk. Uh, check that out and all the other great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. There we go. Okay. Uh, Jamo, uh, we love when you come on. Thank you yes, so sir. much for joining us to talk uh, all things football this week. And, uh, and of course, going through all of these things as we do have big news topics. It's, it's awesome to get your perspective and, and talk to you about these things. Um, tell everybody where they can find you and, and catch up with all of your other wonderful things that you have to say. Uh, at Jameson1260 is where I tweet from. I probably should be a little more diligent on it, but at Jameson1260. Uh, and uh, you can hear me from noon to two weekdays on TSN 1260, Edmonton Sports Leader. And uh, we also have a Edmonton football team pregame and postgame show when the season is on. So that's a great place to go. Sometimes I pop in there and join the guys uh, in uh, in terms of getting ready for a game or breaking it down after. But uh, that's where you can find me. Uh, I, I probably should have a TikTok account where I can dance provocatively. <laughs> I don't. Uh, maybe, or does know, he? Maybe I feel I can monetize that. Uh, and I'm sure when new platforms come up, I will ignore them. But all of that said, at Jameson1260 and at TSN1260, uh, noon to two, Monday to Friday. Fantastic. That's 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 awesome. Uh, Superfan, where does uh, everybody find you after all that? Yeah, yeah I, I can. I gotta follow this. Uh, I know. Like, yeah, I, I'm excited for you to uh, to announce your TikTok account. <laughs> yes, yeah, that'd be great. I, I do have a TikTok account. I don't never used it. Oh, okay, but I I made sure to get 56 Parkies on that as well. So well done. Basically, anywhere you can look for me, just look for 56 Parkies. Perfect. Uh, of course, you can find uh, Commissioner at Duchess Lombardi, uh, and you can find everything about the show, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at The Turf District. Um, I do want to mention as well, just make sure you're checking out the History Wrangler shows that they're coming out every Friday. Uh, we do have some history pieces in there that Mike and I are both reciting. Uh, we are working on hopefully making 
making some more of those as well. And of course, lots of great shows coming out from the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Um, and I know like the uh, the ladies from Mouchoir put out one today. So uh, catch up with them uh, as they talk all things CFL, XFL, because it's like it's a news thing or something. We're all talking about it. It's weird. It's weird. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> check that all out. Um, so we will be back in two weeks. Uh, we're going to talk any new signings and, and whatever other CFL news that may come out in in a couple of weeks. Um, and we're excited to get back at it. And again, if you could do us a favor and just share the link, uh, leave a review, find a way to get this uh, back into some other people's uh, minds and, and hearts, that would be wonderful. Uh, we're excited to talk to everybody and, and join in the conversation on all of our social spots. So for Commissioner K, for JMO, of course, Superfan Mike, I'm Andrew. Remember, you can't catch footballs with your face, and we will absolutely talk to you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 